Last week we talked about God being a prophetic God and Christmas being a, a prophetic day. Well, it's, Christmas is also a supernatural day because our God is a supernatural God. And God wants us to be supernatural people. Amen? That sound like y'all wanted... Y'all don't agree with me there. <laughs> Maybe it's because we don't understand what supernatural is. Uh when I say God is a supernatural God, I mean that God is not bound by the laws of nature. He is outside the laws of nature. Now, He chooses to abide by many of those laws, and, and He put the laws of this earth into effect so that things work, but, but God's not bound by, by that law, okay? Uh, really, supernatural is anything that doesn't conform to that that physical or that natural law. And, and, and the laws I'm talking about are like the law of gravity. I mean, here's the deal. Probably 100 times out of 100, if I drop it, that pen's going to hit the ground. That's the, law of, that's the law of gravity. It's a natural law. So a, a, a natural law is something that can be observed. It can be tested. It can be scrutinized. It, it can be questioned. And as believers, we live in a system that has natural law. Otherwise, we'd just float off. Amen? Y'all do realize that. Uh, a lot of other bad, bad things would happen that I don't even want to think about, okay? But yet, God is supernatural. And God has called us to live supernatural lives. And, and that can mean a lot of things. And, and I don't really want to go there this morning, but, but I do want us to talk about the supernatural a little bit this morning because Christmas is a supernatural event. A lot of Christians struggle with the supernatural. If you can't explain it, 100%, it frightens us a little bit. Amen? Let's just be honest. When strange things happen... It makes us t step back a little bit, and, and it creates a little bit of fear in us. But, but God is, is supernatural. And as believers who has God living in them, He's called us to be supernatural. Y'all with me? Okay. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. But I am going to talk about a supernatural event. That very first Christmas was a supernatural event. Everybody agree? Angels, angels appeared in the skies and proclaimed the glory of God. They heralded a supernatural birth. And that birth was supernatural, okay? Now, it was, the birth took place in, a, in the natural way. Every, every, I'm not going to say every baby because I realize there's, there's lots of different ways to, you know, I'm going to get myself in trouble before I ever get started in this. But, you know, I understand there's, you know, there's a couple of different ways to be born, okay? There really wasn't a couple of different ways to be born in that day. There was only one way, and that was the natural way. And so the, the birth itself was a natural birth, but it was a supernatural thing. And I'm going to spend this morning talking about the virgin birth. And the virgin birth is, is something that is not just something that happened. It was miraculous, but it's also essential, okay? It had to happen, okay? Now, most of us have grown up in church, 
and, and we've heard the supernatural, I mean, the, the virgin birth, and, and we accept it. We, we don't question it. But we don't really sometimes understand why there had to be a virgin birth. We, we don't really understand what the, 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 the big deal is, I guess is what I'm saying. So hopefully this morning, after we leave, maybe I won't confuse you, and, and you, you will understand, but it's essential, okay? Without, listen to me, without the virgin birth, we have no salvation. I'm just going gonna, gonna to lay it out there like it is. That's where I'm at on that. Unless the virgin birth takes place, there is no salvation. Now, I'm, I'm, I think I can back up that claim. It, it's not something you, you can choose to believe if you want to. If, if, if you don't believe that then you haven't taken hold of the essence of Christianity. You haven't taken hold of what it means to really be saved. You don't understand what sin did to humanity. So we're going to look at that this morning, spend a little time there. Uh, We all know that our first parents are the first couple, Adam and Eve. We know they sinned. We know that God told them not to eat from the... From the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God gave them one explicit command. It was a test, okay? Well, why did God test them? I've heard that. Why did God do that? Why did God put that in the middle of the garden? Why, 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 why? He put it there because God wanted Adam and Eve to love him like he loved them. And to love means you have to make a choice, okay? And to make a choice, there has to be a test, And so he placed the tree there. He gave Adam one command. Adam, do not eat of this tree. Everything else is yours. This does not belong to you. And we know the story. Satan comes in the the form of a serpent. And uh, he tempts the woman. And, you know, he says, yeah, but did God really say that? She said, oh, God said this. He said we couldn't eat it, we couldn't touch it. Yeah, but did God really say that? Yes, 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 God said that. God didn't mean that. You won't die. In other words, the serpent said, God is a liar. That's what he said. Now, that couple had to choose. You say, that couple, it was the woman. No, the, Adam was there with her, okay? And, and I'll show you that in a moment. And the Scripture says that, that uh, in, in Genesis chapter 3, 6, this is probably the most tragic verse in all of the Bible. It says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to to make one wise, she took from its fruit and she ate. Now look at the, the latter part of this sentence. And it says, and she also gave her husband, what's the little word there, preposition? With. Elbow to elbow. Okay. He didn't wander up. During this conversation, he was there the whole time. Who was with her and he ate. Now, at that moment, sin with all its deadly power just flooded into that couple. It destroyed them. They were consumed by it. Scripture says in in 1 Timothy 2.14, this won't be on the screen, that Eve was deceived. The serpent deceived her. The serpent did not deceive Adam. God spoke to Adam face to face, eyeball to eyeball, man on man, basically, and said, Adam, 
This tree you are not to eat of. The day you eat of it, you will die. He reminds Adam of that. So Adam got the command from God's mouth. And I believe Eve got the command from Adam. Okay, I believe that's how it worked. And so, basically, Eve was deceived, but Adam was not deceived. Adam willfully chose. Now, I've heard all kind of jungle gym uh, exegesis and sermons that makes Adam look noble, and he did this because he knew Eve was trapped in sin, and yada, yada, yada. Okay, I don't think for one minute he thought about that. All right, I'm sorry if, if you've heard that sermon and it sounds good to you. I just don't believe that. I believe he chose. She ate it. Hey, that looked pretty good. I think I'll do it. Okay, he chose to sin. He made a choice, and he failed the test. Okay, and at that moment, their natures were overwhelmed by sin. They were saturated. Their 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 nature was saturated with sin. They became sinners. Okay, by an act of disobedience, one act. You say, well, that's not fair. Well, I'm not God, so take it up with Him. Okay, I, I, I'm not debating whether it's fair or not. I'm just telling you what is, all right? And so, at that moment, sin swallowed up humanity. And the nature that, that had corrupted them, that sin nature, their nature was, was not one of sin, but when they disobeyed God their nature became one of sin. It became a bent toward evil, a bent toward doing what was not correct to disobey God. That, that, and it was passed from generation to generation to generation to generation to hello, here we are today. And all of us were born with a sin nature. Amen? Y'all all with me? Okay, that's just orthodox Bible. So all of us are born because of what they did, and not just because of what they did. With that sin nature, we're, we're born sinners. But then we choose, and we choose long before we get to be adults. Any of you ever had a baby? Some of you have had a baby. I know what I'm talking about. You don't have to teach children. They don't learn to sin from their parents. Okay, They get the gift in their DNA from their parents. Okay, we come here wanting what we want when we want it. Just, I mean, you've got a baby with a messy diaper and they're hungry. You've got a picture of sin at its essence in a sense. And so we don't have to learn how to sin. It's passed to us. It's passed to us. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, Here's the problem with that. There's no natural way to pay for that sin. Okay? You say, well, what about bulls and goats and sheep and turtle doves and all that? Well, if it could pay for it, it would only have to have been done once. But instead, it's over and over and over and over. And so those payments were not complete. They were not final. There's no natural way to do it. The only payment that God would accept was life for life. Okay? A man sinned, therefore a man had to make the payment. Now here's the problem. There ain't no man without sin nature. 
Okay, you say, no, that's terrible English. It communicates, doesn't it? There's nobody there. there. There's nobody on the planet. And not only that, there's never going to be anybody on the planet that could pay for sin. Amen? Y'all see where I'm going? You want a picture of hopeless and helpless? That's where we were at. Okay? Now, God had a plan. Had a plan from the beginning. I'm talking about before the beginning. Okay? Not when he created Adam and Eve, but before he ever spoke anything into existence. He already had a plan in his mind of what would happen. And he set about to make that happen. He didn't have a plan B. Now, how many of you, when you, when you prepare to do something, you've got plans? <laughs> I do. Okay, I've learned, I've learned that if anything can go wrong, when I do it, it will go wrong. Okay? If you see me at Walmart or Kmart, I'm just warning you. Getting another line. Okay? I've got the gift of whatever it is that there'll be one item that I don't have and they don't have in their system, okay? Although it's got the barcodes, the price tag, it just happens. But all of us, when we've all, we, we all have alternate plans. If this doesn't go well, you know what, I'll, 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 I'll default to this. God didn't have an alternate plan. You say, well, what about Jesus? He was not an alternate plan. God had no plan B. He had one plan. There's no other option if this one failed. And he conceived that plan in eternity past. You say, well, explain that. Now, I can't explain that, okay? God existed before there was time. He's always existed. Somewhere in eternity past, he came up with that plan. We kind of get a hint of that plan, though, after... What takes place in the garden? And I, I, I shared this last week in Genesis 3.15. God comes walking. He came for his, his daily meeting with Adam and with Eve. And they're not there. Now, it wasn't like he realized something's wrong. Okay, He already knew something was wrong. But then he begins to, 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 to pronounce judgment in a sense. And, and he, he speaks to the to the woman he speaks to the man he speaks to the serpent now listen to me he did not curse the man and the woman I want you to hear that okay he cursed the serpent and he cursed the creation okay they were under the curse but he didn't curse them but he curses the serpent and he says this to the serpent he says I will put enmity in in Genesis chapter 315 in other words War is declared on you. I will put enmity between your seed, or excuse me, between you and the woman. I will put enmity, in other words, between your seed and her seed. There will be a war between her seed and your seed. He shall crush your head, but you shall bruise his heel. And we talked a little bit about that last week. There seems to be a little bit of a problem, though, there with that prophecy. Anybody in here got a biological degree? Good. We're all on even ground this morning then. Good. I, don't, I can relax a little bit, okay? There seems to be a problem with this prophecy. 
The prophecy is that a woman has no seed. Okay? She has no seed. Men have seed. Okay? Women have eggs. Now, I'm not, not going to get too deep in this, but, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Sperm, eggs. Okay? That's what the seed is. And, but yet God says, I'm going to put uh, enmity between your seed and her seed. Y'all paying attention? Okay. Satan caught that. Hmm. Don't know what it means, but it means something. Okay. I believe Eve caught it because she names her 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 son Cain. I've got, and she says this. I've gotten a man. In other words, but but Cain wasn't the answer to the prophecy. Okay. She didn't understand it. As though it was meant. But without a man, that prophecy is naturally impossible. Okay? Y'all with me? Because a woman has no seed. There's no baby going to spontaneously generate. It ain't never happened before. It's against natural laws. Are y'all with me? Okay, I'm going to ask you over and over and over because I don't want to lose you. So what's going to happen is going to have to be supernatural. All right? It's, it's going to have to be supernatural. It's going to have to defy the laws of nature. It's not going to be explainable. But yet God says the seed of the woman will crush your head. He will destroy you. Now, like I said, I believe Satan took that to heart. I believe that he, throughout the centuries, up until the birth of Jesus, he acted in a lot of different ways to stop that prophecy from happening. Now, he succeeded in infecting the human race with sin. Okay, He, 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 he succeeded in making sure that, that there was no man born of woman who could fulfill that prophecy. Y'all traveling with me? It's not going to happen. Every man has a sin nature. And so, therefore, every little boy and every little girl inherit that sin nature. Okay? Now, Scripture is very clear that, that life is in the blood. In fact, Leviticus 17, it's not going to be on the screen, uh, about three times, Scripture says this in, in just a few short verses, the life is in uh, the life of the flesh is in the blood. He said, Nelson, where are you going? Well, the sperm carries the blood. Okay? The, the egg has no blood. If you ever had chickens, you don't have a rooster, you don't you, you you don't those eggs won't hatch. I don't care how long that hen sits on them. Okay? It's because there's no blood. There's no blood formed in that egg, so it can't come to life. There's no life there. And so the sperm carries the life of the father. But in this case, it also carries the sin nature. So you see the problem? I mean, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting kind of uncomfortable up here myself personally, but, but there's no way naturally for this to happen. And so... Without any blood being produced, you don't have life. And yet God says he's going to destroy 
the devil through the seed of the woman. Now, what I'm about to share with you, I'll guarantee you've never heard shared in a sermon on the virgin birth, okay? So take it, question it. If you don't buy it, throw it away. Fair enough? This is just my belief. I believe that that something happened to cause the flood. You say, well, sure, man got more evil and more wicked. Well, guess what? Man's pretty wicked and pretty evil today. And you can pick any spot in history, and he'll still be pretty wicked and pretty evil. But I think something happened that that sped up the, the wickedness cycle. And, and this may, you know, you may say, well, Nelson, you're nuts on this. Well, I believe Satan thought, you know what, if I can destroy, if I can pollute the race, I can stop this prophecy from happening. And there's a, there's a little passage in Genesis chapter 6 that's bizarre, okay? I'm going to share it with you. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard it, but I'm going to share it with you. It says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1, Now it came about when men began to multiply, and that means when humanity began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, because he is also flesh. Nevertheless, his day shall be 120 years. Now the Nephilim, or the giants, were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, those who were mighty men, those were the mighty men of old, men of renown. And you say, that's a pretty bizarre verse. What in the world does that mean? Well, there's different interpretations. I'm going to give you all three, okay? You pick the one you like, and you go with it, all right? I believe there's one that, that fits Scripture, okay? Many people would say, well, who are the sons of God? That's the question. Who are the sons of God? Well, some of them will say they were, they were kings, and they saw common women, and they married them, okay? That's one view. Another view says that the sons of men... Were, 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 were godly men. And the daughters of, of uh, uh, the, the daughter, well, let me find, let's see. Daughters, okay. The sons of God were, were godly men. The daughters of men were, were ungodly people. And that there was a mixing. Okay, does that, y'all with me? There was, there was, there were, you know, righteous people marrying unrighteous people. I don't happen to buy either one of those, okay? The third one is, is the sons of God were the angels. Now you say, Nelson, now you're fixing to get a little bit bizarre, okay? The Beni Elohim, that's the Ben Elohim, the sons of God. Every other place in the Old Testament, it's angels, all right? I don't understand this, but I'm just going to share what I think. I believe that there were some angels, and I believe they were wicked angels, okay? I think they, think they were a part of the fall. But they left their abode. They left the place God had put boundaries around that you are to stay here, you're never to step out of here. And, and I believe there were some that did that. They saw with lust, they took, the Bible says they took wives, okay? I believe they took them by force, whatever. And then that... The, that there were born to them, and I don't know how to explain this because I've got some questions there. But anyway, 
all of a sudden it talks about Nephilim, and the Nephilim were giants. And it talks about uh, the men of old, the men of renown. Now, I just I want to pose you a question, okay? There are all kind of fables, all kind of mythical stories out there about these superhuman beings. Where did they, they had to come from somewhere? You say, well, they come out of somebody's imagination. No, I don't think so. I can't explain this, but I believe that Satan thought, you know what? If I can corrupt the race, in other words, if they become less than human, I don't have to worry about this anymore. And so he set about that. Now, Scripture is very clear that God wasn't going to allow this to happen. You say, and I believe that's one of the reasons he destroyed the earth. Okay? Something really bad happened. And before it could envelop the whole earth, he had to destroy it. If you go to Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, that's not going to be up there. You can read the same thing. But in Jude chapter 6 and 7, it says this. It says, And the angels who did not keep their domain, in other words, they didn't stay where they were supposed to, but abandon their proper abode. God has kept in eternal bonds until under darkness for the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they are in the same way, and they, since they in the same way indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh. They are exhibited as an example in undergoing punishment of eternal fire. You say, well, Nelson, that's just a little bit more than I can believe. That's okay. I'm okay. If you don't believe that and it's further than you want to go, that's fine. That's just where I'm at, all right? I believe Satan did everything he could to stop the seed of the woman prophecy. Now, he tried to destroy, he tried to destroy the whole race by tempting them to sin. He didn't succeed. God said, I'm going to send, I'm going to send a deliverer through the seed of the woman. Uh-oh, I've got to destroy the woman. So he seeks to destroy the race. Because the woman is the life giver. That's what the word Eve means, life giver. He fails. And then as, as we kind of move uh, through Scripture, we see that God, you know, we talked about last week that that promise of a deliverer hit Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so the Messiah is going to come through you. So he's narrowed the family down, okay? I'm going to destroy the family if I can. So what happens? God sends the children of Israel down into where? Egypt. What happens in Egypt? They go into slavery. All of a sudden, a Pharaoh comes up that says, Hey, we got too many of them. I want all the boys drowned, killed. So he tries to destroy the race there. Then as you, you go down through through history, you find other plans like that. And then seven or 800 years before Christ, God speaks again concerning, concerning this promise that he had made. He speaks through the prophet Isaiah, and he gets a little clearer with his prophecy. We know this prophecy, okay? Isaiah 6.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with a child and bear a son, and he will call his name, and she will call his name Emmanuel. In other words, the one who's going to answer that prophecy is the Messiah. And he's going to be born of a virgin. And so what happens is Satan continues through Jewish history to eradicate the Jews. 
I mean, it happens over and over and over. You see Assyria invade the ten northern tribes. God wanted Assyria to discipline them, not destroy them. You, you read the, the, the prophecies that, that the prophets give against Assyria. But yet they destroyed, they, they, they killed left and right. And, and Satan was hoping that they'd utterly destroy them. They didn't. Then God sends Babylon against Judah and against Benjamin, two tribes. And what happens? Thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews are killed. Royal family killed. Not all of them. God saves some of the royal family, saves some of the, the Jewish people. They sends them to Babylon. And over time, they begin to grow again, and the nation begins to grow. God makes sure that the, the descendants of King David, because what did, he, what did he say? What did we learn last week? That the Messiah was going to come from whose family? David. He promised David, David, there will be a, a you will have a son, and his, his, your, your kingdom, your throne will go on and on and on. It will be eternal. And so God makes sure that there's a son. There's a royal family still in place. And then one more time, it happens. In the book of Esther, couldn't get them killed by the Assyrians. He couldn't get them killed by the Babylonians. So when Artaxerxes is the king, he decides, you know what, I'm going to come up with a plan to annihilate all of them. And he uses a man named Haman. And y'all know the story of King Esther, I mean Queen Esther. Uh, Haman develops his plan and, and he sells uh, Artaxerxes on it and Artaxerxes makes the proclamation. And, and then in that day when the king made the proclamation, it could not be taken back. It was the law of the Medes and the Persians. It was fixed. So there's nothing he could do about it even after he, remember, after he saw what he'd done. Remember the king who was king with Daniel? He, he tried every way he could to get out of throwing Daniel in the lion's pit after he realized that he'd been tricked into this. Well, that's what happened with, with Artaxerxes. And yet, Esther, God raises Esther up, and she thwarts it. You see, you see the, Satan's been working all along to stop that prophecy, seed of the woman. And then Galatians says that in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, at the exact moment when God had planned, it took place. At a chosen moment, God moved. And we, we, we learn about it through two men, primarily, Matthew and Luke. Matthew and Luke were not fishermen. Okay? Luke was a doctor, a man of, of science. And you say, well, their science, well, their science may have not been what our science is, but their science was science, okay? And Matthew was a tax collector, which meant Matthew was educated, okay? He knew how to count uh, dollars and cents, and he knew how to put together a plan, and he knew how to, to manage people. And so two educated men are the ones the Holy Spirit uses to give us the way in which God would bring this fulfillment, I mean, this prophecy to fulfillment. Now, Scripture said that the Messiah would be the son of David that he would be a son of David, and he would... See, David had lots of sons. Y'all do realize that. And so, but there's a line of ascendancy, okay? There's a line through which these sons have to go. And so 
we find out as we read Scripture, if you read Matthew and you read Luke, you'll find that, that Joseph is the son of David. And Mary is a daughter. She's, she's in the royal line. Too. They're both in the royal line. But their genealogy... Let me back up a minute and try that one more time. Their genealogy is a little different. Okay? But it comes through David. Joseph's family comes through David and Solomon. It's the line that ruled the house of Israel. There's only one problem. There's a, there's a man in that line that God said, nobody from your family will ever sit on my throne. Nobody. You're cursed. His name was Kanai. Okay, Jeconiah, if you want to call it that. You can read about that. I'm not going to go there this morning, but it's in Jeremiah 22, uh, verse 24 and 30. And so there's, there's a line that, that the king has to come through, but it's cursed. Okay, it's forbidden. But Joseph adopts Jesus. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, he took him as his own. Okay, He married his mother knowing that she was pregnant. He gave him the name that the angel told them to give. And so, as the adopted father, guess what? The son inherits all the rights, all the privileges. So, the prophecy is fulfilled. Mary comes through David's line as well, but she comes through David's son, Nathan. Not Solomon. Now, you say, why is all this important? Here's why. God's plan is perfect. Every detail. Every detail is perfect. And so Matthew, uh, Joseph's obedience in adopting Jesus gave him the natural lineage of ascension, but the supernatural fulfillment was going to take place somewhere else. In other words, Joseph can't be his father. Okay, why can't Joseph be Jesus' father? Sin nature. So Joseph, based on the prophecies of Scripture and based on biology, can't be the answer that we needed. God's got another answer. God's got another plan. And Matthew pulls back that curtain on it. He says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, he says, Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. In other words, listen to me. This is what took place. He says, When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, she was engaged to Joseph. But in, in, in their culture, it's not like engagements that we have. When you were betrothed, you were basically married. With any, without any of the benefits, okay? You didn't live together or any of that stuff. There was, no, there was no contact with each other, but there was a betrothal period when the son, when the, the groom would go back and he would prepare his house for his bride. And, and there's a whole other sermon on that. Maybe one day we'll, we'll get to that. But he would go back, he would pray, prepare, and when he got it prepared, he would come back. And that bride was to be ready. That's why the, the, the parable of the virgins that had their lamps trimmed because they never knew exactly. They didn't, they didn't do like we did do. We, they didn't set a date out there eight months in advance and get the photographers and everything in place and all that stuff. All of a sudden, the sun would appear, the bridegroom would appear, and the bride was ready, and there'd be a marriage, and, and, and off they would go with their life. 
And so it says, Now the birth of Jesus was his father, Follows when his mother Mary when his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now I'm gonna use that terrible grammar word again. That ain't natural. Okay, that don't line up with biology. I don't understand that, but that's what the Holy Spirit told Matthew to write. Okay? She was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And then and a few, just a few verses later in, in, in Matthew 1, verse 20, Gabriel, or not so much an angel, brings this message to Joseph and says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived, what's been begotten in her, conceived, there's the word, conceived, in her is of the Holy Spirit. Matthew's calling his readers back to that passage from Isaiah. There's going to be a virgin. She's going to bring forth a child. And you're going to call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In fact, Matthew quotes that passage and says, this which was written is fulfilled. And so... He calls them back to that, and he quotes that in Matthew one twenty three. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. In other words, the baby that Mary's carrying has not been con- conceived naturally. It's supernatural. Now, put yourself in his place. Okay, you get to put yourself in Mary's place in a minute, but just put yourself in his place. The brain neurons are not connecting. It's short-circuiting, okay? But Joseph obeys. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't question it. it we don't see him questioning it. He just obeys. And then Luke brings us the story from Mary's perspective from her side she was a a young virgin now this may wig you out a little bit but she was probably 12 to 14 years old okay very common for a a, a young girl to be betrothed at that age Joseph was a little older we don't know how much older but he was a little older probably and so this angel appears to her, and it's Gabriel. It's, 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 it's one of the, the main angels, the, the one that speaks for God. And he says to her, he says in, in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 31 through 33, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, or Israel, forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Now, guys, we can't imagine this, but ladies, just imagine. You just got this message. You're 12 or 14 years old. You know enough about Biology to know that this is impossible. I bet her eyes were the size of saucers. Okay, I'm just my sanctified imagination there. I mean, I, and I bet her mouth was open. And I bet after she 
got her wits back together. I don't bet this. I know this to be true. This is what she said. She said, how can that be? I'm a virgin. How can that be? I want you to listen to the answer the the angel gives her. It's very simple, and I'm going to tell you up front, it's beyond my ability to explain, okay? I, I can't explain this. I don't know how to explain it. This is what he says. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. In other words, God's Shekinah glory is going to, is to, going to cover you. The glory of God's going to come. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. He's, he's going to come. And the power of God's going to be on you. And what takes place... There's going to be something holy in your womb. And you're going to call it. You're going to call that child the Son of God. Just think, if you were 12, 15 years old and you heard that. I love what Mary says. Be it done unto me. Go ahead. Now, this has nothing to do with my sermon, but you know what? Sometimes God will ask us to do things that don't make sense. It's not that they're not natural, but they just don't make sense to us. Folks, if we'll just be obedient, He'll work supernaturally. And that's what He does here. That's what He does. In Matthew chapter 1, 24 and 25, it says this, that Joseph arose from his sleep, and he did as the angel commanded him, and he took her as his wife. And I want you to listen to this next passage because it is vital to this doctrine. And it says, And he kept her a virgin until she had given birth to a son, and he called, and she, he called his name Jesus. That word kept means literally, and not knowing her. He took her as his wife, but they had no sexual relationship until after that child was born. She was a virgin. A virgin will give birth. Okay? Now, you say, okay, help me out here. Well, that was God's plan all along. Okay? The Messiah was going to come from the seed of the woman, and he was going to be born of a virgin. And that birth couldn't happen naturally. That birth had to happen supernaturally. It happened. There, there wasn't a man. I've already... I think I've beat on this horse long enough, but there wasn't a man who could, who fit the bill, okay? Every man had a sin nature. Therefore, there could not be a man that could pay the debt for a man unless God created a man, okay? The law, if, if you remember the, the law of Moses, it required an eye for an eye, didn't it? Tooth for tooth. It, it was... It was Whatever you do has to be done. And so what happens is there has to be a man make the payment. God couldn't just make the payment. He couldn't just say, hey, I'll do this and that'll take care of it. He couldn't wink at sin, folks. He couldn't just turn his head and turn back and say, hey, it no longer exists. His law had to be fulfilled. All right? Y- y'all with me? Okay, okay. 
that are all required blood for blood, basically. Scripture says that without the shedding of blood in Hebrews 9, 22, that there is no forgiveness. Now, I'm not sure how to technically say this, so y'all will give me some grace here, okay? I'm going to explain what I understand, and I'm not going any farther. But as the Holy Spirit's presence moved over Mary, and as the power of God overshadowed her, God placed His Son, He united His Son with her egg. Okay? How? I don't know. Okay? But He did it. All right? I don't know the biology of it. I don't understand it. But He did it. And that... That, that seed of God contained a new kind of blood. You say, what kind of blood? A blood that had no sin nature. Okay? Remember, the egg has no blood in it, so the, the baby does not carry the blood of the mother. It carries the blood of the father. All right? And what happens is, all of a sudden, there is a, a human being in her womb. You can call it zygote, you can call it fetus, you can call it whatever you want to, but there's a baby there. And that baby is human, but that baby is also God. I can't explain no more. I can't go any deeper because I don't understand it any deeper. There's one person there with two natures. And when that baby was born, they would give him the name Jesus. Okay? God, that's the incarnation. That's, that's what incarnation means, that God came in the flesh. God wasn't some, I mean, Jesus was not some mutant being. He was not half God, half man. He was all man, all God, 100%. Now, like I said, the law required eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. So God meets the argument there. There's a human being there. There's a human being there that now has a nature like Adam had and like Eve had prior to tasting that fruit. And you know what? Satan missed this one. He didn't see this one coming. He didn't didn't have a clue that God could do that. That was beyond his scope of whatever. But now he regroups quickly, okay? Because what happens in Bethlehem just a a little while later? Well, Herod sends the soldiers, and they kill every baby they can find in Bethlehem from two years old and down. I'm going to make sure I get this king. But in the meantime, the same angel that visited Joseph before said, Joseph, get up, take your son, take your wife, go to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you to come back. So the creation... Of the first man was supernatural. You remember God God forms Adam out of the dust. And then he blows. He breathes on him. The ruach, the spirit, the, the breath. It was a supernatural creation. And it says that Adam became a living soul. Folks, this birth was supernatural. Okay? God didn't form a man out of the dirt. God took what was already there and he joined himself to it. He became one of us. 
See, this stuff blows my mind, okay? Forget the angel garbage and whether angels mated with women. Uh, forget that stuff, okay? This is more supernatural than that. Holy God would become flesh. That blows my, my mind. You want to know how much God loves you? That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. Folks, the conception and the birth of Jesus was supernatural. God created seed in Mary's womb, the seed of the woman. And that seed provided the blood that would pay for our sins. Human blood flowed in Jesus' veins. Okay? It wasn't God blood. It was human blood. God blood wouldn't pay the sin price. Human blood had to be shed. Human blood without a sin nature. And that's what flowed through Jesus' veins. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter 1.19. He says, but with, that we were not redeemed by, by gold coins. We wasn't bought off the slave block with coins, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Christmas is a supernatural celebration, folks. It's a supernatural celebration of a supernatural God who provided a supernatural sacrifice for the payment of sin. God became flesh supernaturally, and yet he lived in a natural way. He became a person. He became a person. He got tired. He got hungry. He was weary. There were moments when, 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 when the, the pressures pressed down on him just like they pressed down on us. And he required everything that God... I mean, he, he fulfilled everything that God's law required. Folks, only God can do that. And he told us he would do it through the seed of woman. Now, I want to close with a picture that's painted for us. And I'm going to go all the way back to Genesis. Because God gives that promise in Genesis 3, the seed of woman. But then he gives us the, the picture of the fulfillment of what Jesus would do just a few chapters later when he begins to talk about Abraham. There's a picture on the side of a mountain. And there's an answer to a question that most of the time we read and we miss. And I want to share it with you. God told Abraham to take his son, who was a picture of Jesus. Okay? He wasn't Jesus. He was just a picture. He said, I want you to take Isaac, your only son. Okay? The son of promise. The one through which all the prophecies I have given you will be fulfilled. And I want you to take him to the mountains of Moriah. You know where the mountains of Moriah are? The same mountains on which Jerusalem is built. Okay? Same mountains. David goes there and purchases... Uh, well, let me, let me back up and share this and I'll share that. Well, let me share this. David goes to the mountains of Moriah and, 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 and to stop a plague, he purchases a threshing floor on which to build an altar. And on that altar or on that threshing floor is, is, is where the temple was built, very close. Okay? 
in the, in the area. But God paints us a picture of what Jesus would do thousands and thousands of years earlier in the story of Abraham and his son Isaac. God says, I, Abraham, take your son Isaac and go to Moriah, to a place I will show you. Abraham takes his son, takes a couple of servants, they take wood, they take fire, they take a knife. They don't take a well, they take the sacrifice. It's going to be Isaac. When they get there, Abraham tells the servants, he says, the boy and I are going up on the mountain. When we get through, we will return again to you. You say, well, that sounds kind of strange because he's supposed to kill his son. They go start up the mountain. Now, Isaac is a pretty intelligent young man. Dad, we got fire. We got wood. We got a knife. Where's the sacrifice? Okay. Now, I don't think he was suspicious of what was going to happen to him. Okay. I just think he he asked an, an honest question. Listen to what Abraham says. It's found in Genesis chapter 28, verse 8. I'm going to read out of the King James Version. They may be the same. Abraham says, My God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. Let me read that again. My God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. And Abraham turns and he finds a ram caught in the thicket. And he calls that he calls God by name. What's the name he calls him? Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. But did you hear what Abraham said? God will provide himself a lamb. That can be taken. God will provide the lamb we need. He himself will provide it. Or God himself will become the lamb for us. Folks, God had a plan. God worked that plan out. That plan has a name. It's Jesus. Folks, that's why the virgin birth is so important. We could not pay. When we say that, when we witness somebody and we say we had a debt we could not pay, it's not just words. We could not pay it. There's nothing there to offer. Jesus had to pay it because he's the only man who had no sin nature. A man without a sin nature chose to sin. A man without a sin nature had to choose not to sin. And in choosing not to sin, in choosing to obey God, he became a sacrifice worthy of God, a perfect sacrifice. Folks, that's who Jesus is this morning. That's what he's done for every one of us. Listen to me. Whether you have accepted him or not, he has made the payment. And it's yours if you desire it. Okay? It's yours. He didn't care whether you would accept him or not. He did care, but in the sin, he didn't, he didn't die on a cross and say, you know what, this is not for you and not for you and not for you. It's just for you. He died, it says, for the sins of the world. That's all of us. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. Folks, that's why the virgin birth is such a big deal. The incarnation, without the incarnation, 
there is no cross. And if there is a cross, it's just a man who died on a cross. Without the incarnation, there is no resurrection. There is no ascension. Folks, there is no salvation. And we are dead in our sins. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. The seed of the woman prophecy is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Completely. Completely. And it's available. The benefits of his sacrifice are available available to all of us this morning. Folks, God is a supernatural God. He doesn't allow the natural laws to stop him from bringing those that he loves to himself. You know what? There are births that could take place right now in this place. Jesus called it the second birth. It's just as supernatural. It's just as supernatural. The old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. Let's pray. Father, for more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.